nuclear. Now, is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Every episode, Kathy and Ross send me a word. I try to pronounce that word. I may be wrong. I may be right. And then we just see what kind of rabbit hole we end up going down. Before we get to that, though, let's, of course, say hi to Ross and Kathy. Hey there, Ross, up in Toronto. How you doing? Really good, thanks. Thanks, Fletcher. And hi, Kathy. Hey, Fletcher. How you doing? I'm great, because today you've given me a word I definitely know. It's spelled D-R-A-U-G-H-T. I've spent enough time at the pub to know that this is draft, but what I don't know is how in the world we ended up pronouncing it draft instead of just draught. Aha. Uh-huh. First of all, I'd like to point out, say that, it, see, it's like going to the bar is a good thing, obviously. <laughs> it's good for your intellect. That's right. Um, secondly, yes, I mean, you're right, it's draft, and you're right, it's spelled like it would be draught, and that's because it comes from the Old English. Uh, the word, actually, it initially came from is, uh, I can't even pronounce it. Ross, you want to you hazard it? You're better at the pronunciations than I. Well, actually, I'm not, but it would be draught, and it comes from the, uh, well, English obviously came from, uh, from the Saxons, etc., and it came from the, the continent, and they have the huh sound. We still have the huh sound in English with, I think, basically one word, loch, like loch lomond. And that's the only one that really probably remains in, in regular English. But that huh sound gradually changed into two. It kind of like split. It was one side went for the F and the other side went for the silent. And incidentally, I want to say one thing. Kathy and I have been for years when we were kids guilty of draught. We both, yes. I, we both, both read... Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, if you recall, the Ents, those tree-like creatures, would give uh, the, the hobbits this amazing sort of drink that made them taller and, and feel better. Which were, of course, Ent draughts. <laughs> and they sounded wonderful. And then we both read a British um, uh, series of books, and they would play a game called Draughts, which both of us thought was some sort of weird esoteric game that only Brits would play. It turns out the game is drafts, and it's checkers, the British word for checkers. Oh, wow. The Brits always like like make things complicated for Americans, don't they? I think it's payback. <laughs> but it is interesting with the huh sound, how it, it was in Old English and Middle English. And then gradually, it was written with a, it was actually even written down. It was called a yog, Y-O-G-H letter, and it looks sort of like a three. And that was written in regular, in, you know, in, in manuscripts, etc., but then for some reason, we don't still know why sounds change in languages, but for some reason, that g gradually disappeared. They think that g became first kind of like a g and then changed into an F or a silent. But like, for example, with the F sound, daughter, which was originally doctor, gradually changed into silent, daughter, and then also dafter. Shakespeare rhymed daughter with after. So for Shakespeare, it was dafter, after, and also slaughter, slafter. Do you think that that was something reflective of the language around him, or was he playing with language by doing that? No, actually he wasn't. The, I mean, the, the sounds, there, there's a lot of talk about what happened, but the sounds definitely changed in mainstream English. 
by the 1700s, like with Smollett, then it became the the F. Um, actually, the F then was only used mostly in local speech for some of those ones that are silent now. For example, um, Smollett has, when he's talking about country people, Smollett was a writer, incidentally, in the 1700s. When he has country people saying sought, he writes soft. Thought was thoft. And this was only countryside. But in Elizabethan times, a little bit earlier, these were de- the F was in a lot of words where it no longer is. But there's no understanding of why did some go silent and some went F. I mean, those are one of the mysteries of language. This sort of opens up a whole uh, other can of worms, and that's um, that we deal not just with the A-U-G-H being aw or af, but with O-U-G-H being uh, a whole ton of different pronunciations. Yeah, O-U-G-H is the, t- is the toughest one, I think, in um, English, because you've got in American English, I believe it's um, eight, uh, seven or eight different pronunciations, whereas in British English, it's, it's even more than that. And uh, yeah, it's 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 the one I, I have to like refer back to the I Love Lucy episode when Ricky Ricardo was trying to learn English and uh, he starts reading a story to his uh, son and he starts out with talking about how the the peasant in the woods is cutting down bouges from the tree. And Lucy says, well, what's bouges? He says, bouges, B-O-U-G-H-S. She goes, no, that's bow. So he goes, OK, he's cutting wood. He's cutting down boughs and it made his hands strong and row. Lucy says, no, that's rough. She said, right. So then she keeps going on and he goes, then his day's work was rough. She's like, no, it's through. When the- Hold it, Shakespeare. <laughs> through? T-H-R-O-U-G-H is pronounced through. Through, that's what I always say. Now stop picking on me, will you? You're getting me all confused. His day's work was through. It started to rain on the way home. And he got so wet that his nose became red and he developed a hacking. (laughs) (laughs) Goo? I know it can be cow. It's cough. Oh, that did it. I had enough. Or should I say a new? No, no. No. I don't see why you have to have such a crazy language anyway. I think that the O-U-G-H is the most confusing to non-English um, speakers because it's, it's baffling. And, and, and again, as Ross said, there's not really a rule of thumb as to like, you can't say ah when O-U-G-H follows an R, it's always pronounced ooh, and when it follows a T, it's pronounced ow, you know? Well, let's take a look at at these different pronunciations, I I can sort of come up uh, with about six off the top of my head. We have tough, uh, add an H, and you've got though, add an R in there, and you've got through. Then we've also got thought, trough, and and as you said, bow. So that's about six. Uh, o, oo, uh, uff, and ow. An O, uh, we have O. It sounds like you're going to the dentist or something. I'm sorry. I just loved how that sounded. <laughs> no, it, it really, it's also the um, GH apparently makes the previous vowel a diphthong. A diphthong is two sounds kind of merging. So we don't really know though why it happens. It just did. It occurred. There were a lot of changes in English in the 14 and 1500s as English 
changed from old to middle to, to modern English. And that's one of the big vowel changes that occurred. And then there's then they've got others that I don't, you know, that we wouldn't do. Oh, that's one, though, I did want to ask you now. How would you pronounce H-I-C-C-O-U-G-H? <laughs> well, you know, I, whenever, I've, whenever I've read that, um, I've always just pronounced it hiccup to myself because I don't think that hiccup sounds correct. <laughs> right. It's not correct. <laughs> that it is, is correct. Hiccup. It really there is, is hiccup. There is no hiccup. Yeah, that's actually a case of uh, backwards formation. It was originally written hiccup, H-I-C-K-O-P, or H-I-H-Y-C-O-C-K. And um, it was, and then sometimes the P, sometimes the K, made to imitate the sound of the, uh, the convulsion of the diaphragm. But what happened was smart people thought, well, it's sort of like a cough, so it must be misspelled. So they threw in the cough, and they added that to the hick, and so we have hiccough. But even Merriam-Webster says, and Merriam-Webster tends to try to you know, be very liberal in its pronunciation, even they say it's hiccup, it's never hiccough. And the, uh, I think it was a, the OED says this variant should be abandoned. That one, uh, that always, but it looks cooler spelled Hickoff, I must say. It looks, it does have a more elegance. It looks sort of Victorian, sort of like, oh, hello, Hickoff, you know what I mean? Even though it's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that is sort of what I, what I always assumed was that it, that it was, um, it was the more elegant version of it. Uh, um, but yeah, I guess it's just, it's just wrong and backwards. So it's kind of like victual, you know, it's yeah. like the victual vittle thing here again. The one that interests me, and I'm, I'm actually going to ask a question of Ross, if you don't mind, is the word chuff, C-H-O-U-G-H, which is a bird. But you know how people, like Brits say, oh, I'm chuffed about that, and it's spelled C-H-U-F-F. Now, the OED claims that that came from uh, uh, old military slang, but I'm, I keep wondering if that chuff came from the chuff the bird o-u-g-h now like puffed up you know like like a pigeon sort of goes you know that's a really that's an interesting thing but i'm going to disagree with you because the chuff (laughs) the chuff is sort of like a crow kind of bird and they're they don't really puff up they just sort of fly So I don't think it is. But speaking of (laughs) speaking of chuff, here's a useless word. How do you spell? How do you say C L O U G H? I didn't even know this word until we started doing the book. Nope, you got me. Clow, clue. It's cluff. (laughs) Sure, why not? And there are steep valleys or ravines. I mean, I really want to use that now. One time I'm hiking. Oh, look at the cluff over there, or whatever. And there's a chuff flying overhead. So how? Did we end up with so many different pronunciations? I would say that I mean, it, it, there's a, there's like a bunch of different answers. I mean, sometimes the, they they came from different. Um, the etymology is different. They came from a different source, so that would steer them in a path. Um, others started out with different pronunciations and stayed different. Some of them, some of them just diverged as time went on. I, I think it's it's just sort of like one of those things. It's one of those like mysteries of English, if you will, uh, because it's such a complicated language. It's also regional. When we were doing the book, we were researching, like we said, the GHs and daughter. I mean, we said earlier is pronounced da- in the Middle English is pronounced daughter, dofter, doubter, daughter. All these and different areas have different um, pronunciations, and sometimes one hits and one doesn't. And the one thing I think about language that I think is under under discussed is that people play a lot with language and they play around with pronunciations and. Sometimes people just sort of, they just change them deliberately on their own for fun. And it 
sometimes it just comes, I think, in that sense. Um, Kathy and I, for example, when we write, we have like a certain variant English that we use to like represent some of our, it's our jargon, but some of the jargon becomes pronunciation and then we stick with it and then it might stick to other people too. Also, sometimes I think they change because it's similar to another word that has a certain pronunciation. And even though this particular word wasn't pronounced that way and it's about a different word completely, you just end up, you know, they, they sort of conflate. Uh, That's interesting because that reminds me of something interesting. Delight, D-E-L-I-G-H-T, which, you know, it seems like why is it spelled with a G-H there? It must come from light, etc. And I I looked it up a while back and it comes from the old French delit, D-E-L-I-T. So when people write miswrite or, you know, D-E-L-I-T-E, they're actually slightly being more correct etymologically. The G-H was added in because it's a silent letter and someone wanted to look kind of cool. So they shoved it in. Hickoff comes to mind. Hickoff comes to mind. Yes. Oh, actually, can I throw one more thing in here? Did did how do you how would you correctly, in terms of the probably how the founder of the of the of the city pronounced it? How would you pronounce the second largest city in Pennsylvania? P i t t s b b u r g h. Uh, are you going to tell me it's Pittsburgh? There's a lot of thought. Yes, there's. I mean, it, wow. you would never say it in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have a fit. But there's a lot of thought that the founder of uh, Pittsburgh or the namer of Pittsburgh was a guy from Scotland, General John Forbes, near a place called Edinburgh. And there's thought now that uh, the original pronunciation of Pittsburgh was Pittsburgh. I want to start doing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like this. <laughs> the Pittsburgh, yeah. And I mean, there's no way of proving it, but they did find some uh, sort of itinerant studier of this sort of thing found a grave for a guy called Thornburg. We would say Thornburg. And the name from that era, the early 1800s, and the name was variously written Thornburg and Thornberry. And his bet was that probably both were pronounced Thornborough as they would be in Scotland. And therefore, Pittsburgh possibly was originally pronounced Pittsburgh. I've got friends in Pittsburgh. I'm going to start pronouncing it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Watch me get very irritated with you. You used to have friends in Pittsburgh, right? (laughs) That's true. Well, nothing lasts forever. (laughs) I I just, I'm I'm curious now, because this is a word that I, this is another O-U-G-H that I always have problems with. And I want to see if you guys can pronounce it correctly, because I never can on my own. And it's the word, and I know it because there's a, down here near Safeco Field, which I go to Mariners games where they're always losing, there's a street called, there's an avenue called this because the sports writer's last name was it. And it's B-R-O-U-G-H-A-M. Mm-hmm. As in like the vehicle. And it's a word I never, I still can't pronounce it correctly. I just, my mind doesn't. I'm curious if you guys know how to do it. Well, I thought it was pronounced broom. Uh, and I have frankly no idea whatsoever. I've always seen that and, and. And thought it's something like Brougham. Um, you, Fletcher, you and I are like same with me. I always say it looks like it's two syllables, and it looks like it's got like a Brougham, sort of like a in there. Brougham. I don't know. Yeah, and it's a British sort of thing. No, Ross is right. It's broom, and here it's the Scots again. Um, it came. Yeah, from. I think the one one advantage I have here is a lot of uh, Ontario is Scottish, so I get used ah. to hearing Scottish pronunciation. So broom sounded right to me. Not to be, cl- I wasn't being clever. There was a Cadillac called, so it was a Cadillac broom? I always thought it was a Cadillac, br- now I want to see an old ad. Cadillac, I always thought it was a Brom. 
I'm convinced it's broom. I mean, it's, it should be correctly broom. It is broom. You're correct. But I'm wondering, was the cat? Did the Cadillac company pronounce it correctly? I don't know. Just, That's just, a tough one. I, I, just a little useless, like maundering here. <laughs> Ross, you think about deep things. I think about cars. <laughs> oh, but one thing I do want to add, though, everyone always talks about how un unruly English is in terms of rules. But if you notice, the GH can, the GH can be pronounced F or is silent. That's pretty much of a basic rule for the GH. And if the GH is in the front of a word, it's never pronounced F or silent. It's pronounced G. Oh, that's like that old uh, joke. Remember that? How do you spell fish? Oh, the grotti. Yeah. That yeah. actually isn't correct. Right. Yeah, there, there's an old joke that Kathy's referring to, which is that... Uh, English can, if you, G-H-O-T-I could be pronounced fish technically because G-H can be pronounced like F, O can be pronounced like uh, and T-I can be pronounced like sh. But English does have a rule. There is no G-H in the beginning that's pronounced either F or uh, silent. It's always pronounced G. So, although, interestingly enough, in early English printing, like with Caxton, we've got an old Caxton book here, girl is written G-H-E-R-L-E which is a really weird sort of uh, writing. Mm-hmm. But it's always pronounced with a g. Gosh, I'm trying to think of I was trying to think of some way to prove you wrong, but but you you have to be right about that. I'm wondering though with time if this will change. The only one that could possibly violate the rule is ghoul, g h o u l, which comes from the Arabic because it could be say ghoul in Arabic, but that sounds sort of dumb. I mean, you, I would never say ghoul. I would say ghoul. No, and I, I'm trying to find that. There must be a GH as an F at the beginning. I, I kept, I there is not. Ghost, ghastly. No, I believe you, but, I, but, I, but I'm determined to find something. <laughs> well, I'll challenge you on that one. So actually speaking, one more thing I think I might want to throw out. Speaking of GHs, another thing that we had when we did the book was that Kathy wrote a, a section, how do you pronounce the English, I mean, the Sorry, Dutch painter Van Gogh or Van Gogh. And the interesting thing was Americans say Van Gogh and mispronounce his name. Brits use the GH with the F sound. They say Van Gogh. And we found a a BBC pronunciation unit trying to tell British broadcasters how to correctly pronounce uh, the name of of the artist. And she advocated, of course, as did Kathy, Something like a modified Dutch Van Gogh. Well, K-H sort of sent a Yeah, Van Gogh. Gogh. Well, but the problem is, like, let's be honest. This is where I think correct pronunciation goes a little wacky. If I go anywhere and say something about how much I love Van Gogh, I think people will sort of sneer at me in America. I think they would. I think they'd think I was being incredibly pretentious. I actually agree with you. I, I still say Van Gogh. We wrote the book and said the correct pronunciation in English should be sort of like Van Gogh. But we both also added that, you know, it's all right to say Van Gogh. And I, I do persist in saying Van Gogh. And when a Brit says Van Gogh, like one did the other day, I don't correct the person or sneer. I don't know. Van Gogh sort of bothers me. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Britain. <laughs> but it is sort of interesting, though, because it's recapitulating the same thing that occurred with English a long time ago, with the GH splitting. And, and, we, and Fletcher, you asked, like, why do people pronounce things differently with the, the GH or what happened? We have an example right here. In Britain, it's Van Gogh. And in the States, it's Van Gogh. And Why is that? I have no idea. neither is how the Dutch would say it. Exactly. Which sort of sums up the way way of language right there. You just have to muddle through and hope that they understand you. 
Yes. That's my theory. <laughs> well, all right. I'm going to go try to sift through all of this and see if I don't just give up on the whole thing like old Ricky Ricardo did. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Ross. Thanks. It was fun. Okay. Thank you, Fletcher. Y-O-U-G-H with a silent G-H. <laughs> well, I wouldn't fun spell G-H-U-N, you realize. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. You can check out special artwork for this episode and for every episode designed by Jordan Kirtley at KMUW.org. And if you like this, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross Petrus's new book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, at your local independent bookstore. Kathy and Ross have written a lot more, and they've always got something going on. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetrus.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Oh, and one more thing. Sort of. I want to jump back and take a look at all the different ways we say that O-U-G-H letter combination, because it's just crazy to me how many there are. And as Kathy alluded to, there are even more if we throw in British English. So we've got the American ones, ought, tough, though, through, bow, trough, and then I guess hiccup, although I don't ever see any Americans spell that one with an O-U-G-H. So that's seven right there. Then we add the uh sound, as in how the British say borough, like when we were talking about Pittsburgh as Pittsburgh, although spelled like the boroughs in New York, so that's eight. Then apparently there's a variant spelling in British of the word hawk, like a ham hock, but H-O-U-G-H instead of H-O-C-K, so there's nine. And then another one that's slightly different, an alternate spelling of the word loch, like Loch Ness, that's L-O-U-G-H, so there's ten. That's all I can come up with, but come on, isn't that enough? And strangely, not a single one of them really uses the G sound, like oog or ug or aug. I don't know. Can you think of any more? If you've got one, send it to us on Twitter. We're at YSIWpod, or just email me at powell at kmuw.org. And last thing. Announcing the classic Cadillac for 1986, the rear-wheel drive Fleetwood Brougham. Styling that's every inch a Cadillac. Inches that add up to the longest regular production car plus full-size comfort for six adults and their luggage. And new for Brome, a powerful 5-liter V8. If you think big, think about the classic Cadillac, the new 1986 Brome. Best of all, it's a Cadillac. Sounds to me like Brome. Well, there you go, Kathy. <laughs>